to another episode of the Pedestrian Podcast. Myself and Adam is a former USC and Seahawks linebacker, a three-time Pro Bowler, an All-Pro, a two-time national champ at USC, a 2005 NFC champ, and a member of the Seahawks 35th anniversary team, and now a business owner. Welcome to the Pedestrian Podcast number 51, Lofa Tatupu. Hey, how's everybody doing? Thanks for having me. A former fourth round pick, a 10-year NFL vet, all of them so far with the Seahawks, a 2020 Steve Largent Award winner, and one of the franchise's all-time greats from Mississippi State to a staple in Seattle. Welcome to the Pedestrian Podcast, KJ Wright. What's up, fellas? So glad to have, you know to be here. This is my first international podcast, so I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking forward. Uh, to it. Undrafted free agent in 2011 to a Seahawks legend, the someone who for both me and Adam is an upper echelon of not just sportsmen but people we have followed through our various sporting interests. It is properly cool, wild, and any other exuberant adjective you can think of to say. Welcome to the Pedestrian Podcast, Doug Baldwin. Hey fellas, thank you for having me. And I'm I'm thrilled that it's called the pedestrian. <laughs> ah, you noticed that one. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the pedestrian podcast. Uh Stacy Ross, how are we? I'm well. How are you guys? Welcome to the pedestrian podcast, Ben Arthur. How are we, sir? I'm doing great. Stuart, Adam, thank you guys uh, for having me on. Excited to talk about this Seahawks-Titans matchup. My former Oregon State cornerback, Nashawn Wright, is just a few weeks away from hopefully hearing his name called during the NFL draft at the end of April. Welcome to the podcast, Nashawn. Thank you. Finally, we get on the production podcast, Mr. Dave Softimana. How are we, sir? I'm good. You mentioned there's a legend coming on, and I'm, I'm wondering when exactly <laughs> is that going to happen? Uh, uh, we tried to get him. I, I, I <laughs> legends around here. I see a dog over here. There's a dog down the hall. My wife is down the hall. I can go grab her if you want. Hey, honey, would you call me a legend? <laughs> he says no. Yeah. So when, that, when that legend shows up, boys, let me know. Okay.com. The guy who behind the pen on that article for the last few years, quite a while now, is Mr. Jackson Bevins. Welcome to the Pedestrian Podcast, Jackson. Thank you guys so much for having me. Uh, I'm a big fan of all three of you guys, and I'm really, really excited to talk about this Meghan Markle interview. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a while, but one of our regular guests over the last 140-odd head pods is rejoining the show. Uh, Mr. Rob Staten, how are we? Oh, hi, fellas. Yeah, and the weather in, uh, in in Yorkshire is very similar to the weather that Adam is talking about. There, it's not not very pleasant tonight. It's, it's not just jealous of the weather. You know, I'm, I'm I like a cigar every now and again, and, and certainly enjoy a, a beverage. So um, I'm disappointed not to be uh, <laughs> Mr. Bevans right now. When we see Sports Northwest, it's Mr. Joe. Whereas early this week on social media, we found out Reverend Joe fan. In fact, welcome to back to Reverend Joe, Austin. baby. Yep. I love it. I appreciate you guys having me back. the biggest fastest or the strongest so i had to, i had to use other tricks uh namely my my mental you know my acumen for the game and my my instincts so um and with that that's where ken norton really helped refine 
you know, hey, this is an opportunity where you can take this chance and you can make this play. And if you don't, you have, you know, an all pro safety behind you making the tackle. So like, it becomes a game of calculations. And um, it's when you learn it to that extent, it becomes extremely. Uh, and in soccer here, you always hear players say, oh my God, you should see what this guy does in training and practice. Is there a moment in practice training where you just think, oh my goodness, this guy is just another level? Yeah, well, I, we use Russ for example because uh, remember, guys, the the year Russell came here, we had Matt Flynn as our quarterback mm -hmm. signed his big contract, supposed to be the future. Okay, so Russ comes in as a rookie, and everybody's looking around like this rookie is way better than the guy that the Seahawks paid because you just see like his consistency, his you know his speed with you know as a rookie, like this dude's gonna be really good. And so there's not just a single moment, but as you could progress throughout training camp and OTAs, you know. You Guys just gravitated to him. It's like we want these guys our quarterback, and so he just took off. And I think Russ knew who I was <laughs> fully. You know what I was fully capable of doing. Um, but I murdered Darrell Revis, murdered him, and I, like that was kind of, and that was my to me that was kind of like this was going into the game. I was like, okay, this is my stage to show just how good I am. I get matched up with one of the greatest defensive backs to ever play the game. So they say. And so I get to show who I am. And I, I studied Darrell Revis like I had never studied anybody else. I knew him as a man, right? Like I knew who Darrell Revis was as a human being. I studied him so much. And I knew his mannerisms, his body language, how, like when he was confident, when he wasn't confident, which arm he wanted to throw up, what situation, um, you know, what the defense, what, depending on what defense was called based on what play and formation we were in, where he was going to line up, and what he was thinking, where his help was and why he was going to push me in a certain direction. And I murdered him. I don't think, I, I legitimately don't think he covered me on one route. <laughs> I was I was open the entire been open to media. Uh, so there really is no reason for me to be there unless I want to be in the stands and taking the atmosphere, which I do want to be there. I was there last night, but I'll admit, I'm not going to go to every single game. You know, if I, if I can't get in the locker room and do stuff for my show the next week, I might just stay home, watch the game on TV and maybe give my tickets away to somebody. I do just you think know? to your point though, there's just, I mean, unless, unless you're a coach or a player or an employee at any level that knows it's your last year that you're hanging them up after that, I just don't think you're ever going to enjoy the ride as much as you should because because you're thinking about what's next. I mean, you don't succeed in the NFL by just focusing, going all in one year and not think about the future. You're gonna probably have some issues with team building down the road. So, you know, I, I would be, I, I don't know what players have said to that question. I'd be willing to bet a lot of players in 2013 just kind of assumed that was gonna be the norm for them for a while and maybe didn't quite appreciate how hard that is because they just kind of rolled to that Super Bowl as a young team and they got back once but never got back again so yeah I, I don't know as an organization again because I wasn't part of it I think you know we all appreciate the success the team has had that's very rare in the NFL in terms of sustaining the success but yeah I, I do think there's an element of it's hard to fully appreciate while you're a part of it it's more something you can really appreciate like afterwards. I in Seattle have been covering Russell Wilson for six years now and like I feel like I don't really know who he is mm -hmm. and that's kind of crazy right like it's you, you, he doesn't let a lot of people inside of Percy Harvin because of Jimmy Graham because of Jamal Adams because of all of these I have been in favor of all of them at the time because you had a Super Bowl quality roster or something close to it and I would much rather punt 
two birds in the bush for one bird in the hand. I mean, Percy Harvin, Jimmy Graham, and and Jamal Adams are the players you hope and dream and pray that those draft picks become someday. So I've, I've been in favor of it, but we have reached the end of that road, for How sure. easy yeah. was that for you to get a feel for it and that we can just see a play in pre-snap and just know, right, I'm going to go downhill here and shoot everything yeah, up that I you mean, do? Yeah, I've, I've really just been blessed with really good instincts. You know, it's, 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 it's really God-given. And plus, on film study, what they call a Mary play that you guys talked about, um, we called a defense. It was another short yardage play. And Carlos Dunlap, I credit Carlos Dunlap for me making that tackle. He was like, when Colin Murray gets in this position, he always likes to stutter and then take off running. And so he said, when you get in the open field with Colin Murray, you better attack him this way. I said, bro, I saw the same thing. And so I kid you not, <laughs> Colin Murray keeps the ball on the quarterback. And I was like, okay, by film study, he should do this. And so I took the proper the proper um, angle and um, made the play. That, so. It was a signature win, um, especially being that we hadn't been in the playoffs in, in three years and his first time in the saddle, he takes us there. So, uh, yeah, I think it was definitely something that he could hang his hat on. You know, didn't have to prove anything to anybody, but it did prove to his younger players that would be the vets in that in that Super Bowl, in those two Super Bowls, it proved to them that, hey, this is the way we do things. And this is the expectation, just like he said in, um, in rings. I think we have to let it ring twice. Just, we don't want to pick the phone up straight oh, no, away. No, I think I'm picking you... it up right away. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Because I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to miss the call and then they call, they took somebody else. As soon as I can get a phone call. I'm a, the day be, on Thursday, I'm going to put out a, a message to all my family members, do not text me, do not call me. <laughs> call my mom. If you need anything, call my mom, call my fiance, do not call me. So when that number rings and whatever area code it is, I'm picking it up right he, away. You know, right. He, he went the he took an opportunity to speak to his haters through me and I became a I became a face and a figurehead for the Jets fans that are in his <laughs> calling him Blitz Boy. Um, and we learned a lot about Jamal Adams in those couple of weeks because there were a couple other instances in which, you know, he took an opportunity to take a question and then get something off of his chest. Uh, in that very same press conference on that Friday, Brady Henderson asked him you know, what's your relationship like with Pete Carroll? How do you, do you enjoy working with him? With no undertone, no, just like, I mean, just plain simple. Like, how do you, you know, what's your, you know, and he, Jamal thought he was taking a dig at the like little spat they got in on the sideline in Buffalo. Not even spat, but like Buffalo, or Jamal, I was all fired up and saying whatever. And he goes immediately into that. I didn't fight with Pete. Never yell. I wouldn't yell at Pete. Like everyone thinks I yelled at Pete, and everyone's like, "Well, like I never, you know, this wasn't. It wasn't even about that." But appreciate you addressing that. So he's very aware of what's being said about him, um, and in his Twitter mentions and all that. And I guess that you know, it's kind of the nature of. Um, I love, Michael Sean loves this anecdote when he, he put on Twitter like, "I'll never forget." Uh, you know, the players drafted before me, like Marshawn Lattimore quote tweeted, and it was like, dude, it was like four people. <laughs> but nobody really understands that word strain. Strain is not about like going on the football field and trying to get your job done. Strain is about caring about the guy next to you, right? You know, like when you care about the person next to you, you care about their well being, you're going to go the extra mile. When you love the person next to you, you're going to do what you have to do in order to protect that person, do what's good for that person, do what's, you know, and Marshawn was like leading the way in that. He would 
the way that he would run, there's no way that I'm not going to get that safety. I have to get this safety on this run play so that he doesn't hit Marshawn. I'll be damned if I let him hit Marshawn, you know? That was the kind of love that we had for Marshawn. And that just, you know, it, 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 it spread throughout the entire team. And especially on special teams where you had myself, Ricardo Lockett, um, Jermaine Curse coming in the next year. You had all these guys who wanted to play special teams. Yeah, we wanted to be on offense. We wanted to do the things that, you know, score touchdowns and all those things. But we were also willing to do the dirty work. And we were willing to do the dirty work because not because it was anything about ourselves. It was about the guys that we cared about. You know, like Ricardo Lockett is my brother to this day. I remember specific moments in training and on the football field where, you know, like it was hard. And, but we would look at each other and say, let's do this shit together, you know? And that's powerful. It's motivating. And when you're on the football field and you see that guy and you need to go do something for that guy to get open or for him to, to you know, a specific block, you're going to do it because you care about that person. That's what strain is, you know? And um, in 2011, I think we grabbed a hold of that and we didn't let it go. 